This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 36, which is an explanation of what the Lord teaches in the Ten Commandments and the Third Commandment. And the Third Commandment is found in Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The church then confesses what is required in the third commandment. We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. And you can see the Bible reference to that command in the footnote, Leviticus 24, verse 16. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how many of you here this afternoon drive a company car, a company vehicle, has the name of the company on the side, or how many of you are business owners who have asked your employees to drive around in a company car. Well, you know that when the name of your company is on the side of the vehicle that's being driven, you are fairly concerned about how that person drives. We've all had it. We're driving along the road, and some guy, bright pink car that says, I don't know, Molly Maids or something, cuts you off, you, you, you don't think about the driver. You go, oh, that company is, is horrible. They don't even know how to drive. There's an association between the name of the company and the person driving the, the car. When the Lord gives us his name, and he associates that name with us, there's also a responsibility that we have as we represent his name uh, around us to the people around us. And so we, we find that Christians have that. And so if you put a fish emblem on the, it stands for Christ, a Christian, that fish emblem on the back of your car, people will make a connection between how you drive and, and who the Lord is. We know some parents would remove that fish emblem when their teenagers are borrowing their cars for fear of the name of the Lord. Or if you were we wear a sports jersey and it says Christian school on the jersey and you go out into other schools to play sports. You know how that jersey affects and how you play affects how people see the, the Lord that we worship. Now, even if you don't have a fish on your car or wear an emblem or a emblem on your shirt or your jersey, the fact that you are baptized, that you worship the Lord, that you belong to him. We sang about belonging to the Lord and his name. His name is on us. It means 
your life is necessarily associated with the name of the Lord. And so the third commandment reminds us of this connection. It warns us against causing people to misunderstand God by our words, by our actions. And it also encourages us to give glory to the Lord's name and all our words and works as an opportunity to praise the Lord with our words and our works. And so the Spirit leads us through the commandment to praise the name of the Lord in all our words and works. And we'll see first our words and then our works. So think about your words. Children can think too about how many times during a day or during the week you, you say the name God or Lord or Jesus. If you're a Christian, you will use God's name every day. Every day when you pray, when you read the Bible. You may also use the name of the Lord when you explain to a friend or family that it was God who helped you with something, or God who blessed you with something. The Lord our God is a personal God and we live in a relationship with Him. He's given us His name for that purpose. The Holy Spirit in our hearts then helps us to give careful thought to the Lord that we are addressing before we open our mouths. The third commandment also teaches us that it's sinful to misuse the name of the Lord, to, to take His name upon our lips in vain. When we use the name of the Lord in vain, it means we use His name without thought. And you can only use the name of the Lord without thought if you don't know who the Lord is. You have a false idea about who He is. It sends a, a false message to the people around us. And it is all around us, isn't it? We see it in, in almost every conversation we have with, with unbelievers, every film, every book. The, the OMG spoken without thought by people who equate it with, oh wow, or what a surprise. But it has an effect of undermining, even contradicting who the Lord is and all His holiness, His awesome majesty that He's a triune creator of, of heaven and earth. Just bringing, blurting His name out because we're angry or we're surprised. It fails to show fear and respect and honor to the Lord Almighty. Now, it may not seem like a big deal to use such common slang in our day-to-day -day communications. And it's interesting when people are learning the English language how, how they often may, may use the name of the Lord in vain in, in this way because that's all they, they hear. But the third commandment helps us to see that it really is an attack on God himself. God has made himself known to us. He's revealed himself to us in his word. As Christians, however, we have to take this one step further because it's not just these expletives or exp explanations of surprise, the things that we're actually quite capable of, of controlling, but it's possible to use God's name in prayer and Bible reading without giving glory to God's name. Prayers that fail to recognize who we are addressing whether in the hasty way that we approach him with no preparation, or the disrespectful time titles we use, the worldly language, or, 
or the way we, we, we show what we think about him when we just say, can you just, just help us with this or just help us with that? Bible reading done without believing that the words are divine from God or without the, that wander of the heart that recognizes the privilege of holding God's word in our hands can also lead us to misuse or abuse the name of the Lord. The Lord our God is holy. He's revealed himself in his word. And through the commandment, the third commandment, the Holy Spirit is, is leading us to give careful thought to the way we speak to him and about him and how we read his words, whether to ourselves or with our families or in public settings. And so as parents and as children, we learn not to just fire off the prayer as fast as we can. It's to show respect for the name of God. That's not what praying is. It's not who the Lord is. As adults reading the Bible, we also give careful thought to the word of the Lord, the name of the Lord. The Christians led by the Spirit, will, we confess, will also use their words to defend the honor of God's name. When, when others are speaking, when they might blurt out his name, we have a responsibility too. We, we feel the offense of those who use God's name without thought. So we're also committing ourselves as defenders of God's name to not be silent bystanders. And, and the catechism is very strong in the language. How silent bystanders we we share in the wrath of God. Now that takes courage to obey the third commandment in these things. And if we're in a workplace where that's so common, it's a constant refrain. It's pretty clear that it is part of defending the honor of God's name with, with our words. Now the third commandment, it really stands up in society against the blasphemy of God's name that seems to fill the hearts and lives of, of unbelievers. But does the third commandment also speak to us beyond the, the things we've, we've mentioned? We recognize that we can find improvement on how we use the name of the Lord of God, the, the name of the, the Lord our God in our, in our speech. But we have that feeling that people who don't know the Lord are more likely to sin against the third commandment than we are. It's very rare to hear a Reformed Christian misusing the name of the Lord without being rebuked by a friend right away. We, we all know very clearly that not, that's not, doesn't give glory to God. We don't want to be silent bystanders. Besides that, we've all been brought up and. Well, most of us have been brought up in Bible-centered homes. And many of us are, are business owners who can make rules about what is acceptable speech. And as Christians, building up on, on centuries of experience, we receive a lot of assistance in, in keeping the third commandment by following the many patterns of godly language that have been passed down through the centuries. We have adopted creeds and, and confessions that faithfully summarize the Word of God and, and their description of the name of the Lord. We have a model of prayer that we can use. We regularly can call upon the name of the Lord in trust, in obedience, 
We can praise his name in our, in our words. We confess our sins. We, we seek his direction. I mean, we go through that list, the second part of answer 99, and it seems like we can put a lot of check marks there. The way that we, we speak. We want to praise him. We love the Lord. We have psalms. We have hymns. So it's no wonder that we think that this commandment is primarily directed to those people around, those unbelievers. And it's no wonder that many of us even think that obeying the third commandment is, is attainable, should be attainable in our lives. It's just controlling our mouths. We should be able to do that. But that raises the question. If we manage to guard our mouths Whenever we speak of the name of the Lord, our God, and if we always give God's name all the honor, whenever we open our mouths, that that point that separates us from, from unbelievers, have we actually succeeded in keeping the third commandment? How would you respond to the question, is it possible for us to keep the third commandment? If we only controlled our mouths. Now, if you believe in a God who is far away, a God who is separate from you, and you think just about how you speak, you, you should say it, it's attainable. It's, it's possible to actually never blaspheme or misuse the name of the Lord. But the Bible tells us that he is not just a God far away, but he is also a God who is very nearby. As soon as you profess your, your faith in God, then you and, and your children are brought into fellowship with God in a very special way. He identifies himself with you. He, his name is associated with his church. When we leave the, the, the church service, we receive the blessing of the Lord. That's him placing his name upon us. Just like the city of Jerusalem and the temple in the Old Testament, the church is the visible manifestation of his name on the earth. And we could say the, the mute church, even before we speak a single word, his name is on our shoulders. It's not something that's out there. His name isn't something that's separate from the people whom he has chosen from before the creation of the, wor the world. But we believe that we are part of his name. We are part of his reputation. He is known in part also by who we are. His reputation is not only formed by what we say about him, but also by what we show him about him in our work and our lives. Our works, our deeds, our actions are also connected to his name. And we can either bring glory to his name through what we do or we can blaspheme his name. And so we confess that we should praise him in all our words and then we end off saying, and works. And that's the clear message of the prophet Malachi that he spoke to the people of God. And if you have the, your Bibles open again to, to Malachi, you can follow through. We get to do a quick skim of the whole book this afternoon because he's addressing the people's sins based on that third commandment from the perspective 
of their third, the third commandment. He, he's, he's looking at their lifestyles in terms of what it says about the name of the Lord. And so all the exhortations of the book are based on what we read in cha- verse, chapter 1, verses 2 to 5. The Lord's love for Israel. His decision to, to be the God of the people of Jacob, the descendants of Jacob. And he has a distinction there. You're not Esau, you're, you're Jacob. He's saying that to us today too. You, my believers, are, are covenant children of God. You are in a unique relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And that relationship comes with a responsibility. You have a unique position in the world because God named you as his own children. You can commit sins against the name of God that no unbeliever can because his name is on you. You're you're the one driving the company vehicle as an employee. If you're driving your own car like someone else, it's not so important how they drive for the name of the company. So you always have to think about that as a baptized member, someone who belongs to God's covenant and congregation associated with the church that comes with that responsibility. And that's what the Lord is, is addressing as he goes through some of the sins. And he, he first begins with the priests in the, in the land who had become corrupt. And as we read about priests, we have to understand that in the New Testament, everyone is called priests. We're all priests. We're all called holy to the Lord. Think of 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 10. And they're despised with offering half-hearted worship to the Lord. And that half-hearted worship is, is equated with despising the name of the Lord. We see that in verses 6 and 7 following. And then the Lord asks some questions. If you, uh, if, if you treat the Lord with less respect then a son would treat his father or a servant would treat his master or a citizen would would treat his his governor. What are you showing about how you see the name of the Lord? What are you showing about what you believe about the Lord, who he is? And that unwillingness to give their very best to the Lord as a sacrifice while at the same time expecting some sort of special favor from the Lord. That's what the Lord is is pointing to. Here here, here they were with the name of the Lord on their shoulders and they were saying that all this worship is, is weariness. Verse 13, they snorted at what God was calling them to. They cheated the Lord by vowing a correct sacrifice, verse 14, but sacrificing what is blemished. And if you page through this, this very short prophecy, you could see that, that, that there's other sins that are showing the same disdain for the exclusive, holy, just, and compassionate name of the Lord. He mentions chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, some syncretism that worshiping one God and adding it on to the worship of the one true God. He mentions the sin of faithfulness in marriage, chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. Verses 17 to 18 of chapter 2, he's, he's speaking of, of wearying the Lord with false instruction about who he is. 
what he has done. Chapter 3, verse 5 talks about sorcery, adultery, and oppression of the weak and vulnerable in society. All the, all the while saying that the name of the Lord is there. Imagine you're the oppressed. And someone comes in the name of the Lord and oppresses you. They're stingy with you. You see that in chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. It's called robbing God. What, what it really is, is, is people who were, were not giving fully to the Lord in, in, with their finances. And then in verses 13 to 15, they wonder how they've been speaking in vain. And the Lord says, well, it's because you, you said it's in vain to, to serve God. They're, they're doubting the value of walking with the Lord. All this shows a, an overall misunderstanding of God's name. All these sins come down to the sin of, of despising who the Lord is. It's not accepting who God has revealed himself to be in all his holiness. You see, this, these sins and this sinful life that actually lead to a misunderstanding of who God is result from their misunderstanding of his sovereign grace. So they don't apply what he has said to their lives. The technical term, it's a practical atheism, ultimately despising the name of God. You might say one thing, you might claim one thing, but if you're there unfaithful to your wife, you're showing what you really think about the name of the Lord. And Malachi 1 really makes us think about our attitudes to our worship to God and our worship of the Lord on, on the day of rest, on, on Sunday. So on the one hand, we say God is holy and worthy of eternal praise, but on the other hand, we cannot be bothered to go even to a little extra trouble to get our families in church for two services. What does this, what does this snorting and this weary-like attitude reveal about what we think about the holy name of God, the priority of this in our lives. And to be very clear, the, the Lord is, is talking about those who, who are able and not willing. And he talks about the, the cheat in verse 14 who has a male in his flock. If, if you're capable of going, but you choose not to because you're weary of the name of the Lord of God, uh, the, the name of the Lord our God. Well, we see that we're treating the name of the Lord, we're treating the Lord, we're behaving just like the Israelites did, who brought lame and blind animals when they had the right sacrifice right there in, in their flock available to them. The Lord calls us to see what does that send, what message are we sending about the name of God? Not, not, but ourselves, it's pretty clear the message we're sending. But what message are we sending to the world about the name of God? Your day-to-day -day actions are related to the third commandment. Even mute Christians, people, Christians who cannot speak a single word, can misuse the name of the Lord, can use his name in vain by their lives. The 
We see how gracious God was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross also for these sins against the third commandment. Because all our sins ultimately are connected to the third commandment as well. And here we were thinking we might have actually kept this one. Here we were thinking it might be possible to give enough to the Lord, to honor him fully. Well, the Lord's response to such half-hearted actions and worship, Verstani compares it to, to kindling fire on his altar in vain. It doesn't give him pleasure. And it doesn't give him pleasure because it just doesn't fit with who he is. And that was the display text when we came in this afternoon, verse 11. This, this is one that we need to have in our minds as we're, we're leaving here, as we're going out from here into, into the world. This is what God says. Whether we're on board or not is another question. But he says, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great. You can also translate that is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And then in verse 14 again, I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be, is feared among the nations. He will defend the glory of his name. That explains the chapter 3, the messenger of the Lord who comes, who punishes those who do not worship him. He's a purifying fire. And, he, and he's out there, he's punishing those who despise his name, but he is revealing his name also in this act of judgment. We know the, the name of the Lord because he has defended his name, he's defended his glory by revealing himself as he is to all the earth. He is just and he is merciful. He is just in, in pouring out his wrath against the blasphemy, the heads of those who persist in this sin, and pouring out his wrath against the sin of blasphemy that his only son Jesus Christ came to bear for his elect. The same blasphemy that led to Jesus' death was a blasphemy that was on his shoulders for everyone who believes in him. He was punished for our blasphemy through the blasphemy of the false witnesses speaking lies about the love of God. And so with his just justice we see his mercy granting forgiveness of sins. He gives a new name to all who believe in him. And it's through Christ and through his spirit that now every Christian who sees that the fullness of God through Jesus Christ we see his name in fact he's put his name on us when he gave us his spirit and called us to walk with him in fellowship and there's that distinction now that we read about in chapter 3 verses 16 to, to 18 those were some who feared the name of the Lord and esteemed his name, they were the ones who served the Lord. They're distinguished from the world because those who fear the name of the Lord are the ones who truly serve the Lord. 
And so in Christ, we may see the name of the Lord clearly. And in Christ teaching, we may see the truth undistorted. And in Christ's purity and his obedience, we see what God wants to do in our lives. So those who proclaim Christ in all they do, also confessing our sins before him, turning to him for forgiveness, that's how we, we really show the name of the Lord and all his glory, his justice, his mercy. Malachi 2, verses 5 to 9, a few verses we haven't really looked at yet, shows us how the Holy Spirit brings us back into that covenant of, of life and peace that he established with, with Levi. And here we see that, that the, those who are in God and, and in Christ, they are those who stand in awe of his name. Chapter 2, verse 5. And then we see the list. Verse 6, true instruction was in his mouth. He walked with peace and uprightness. He turned many from iniquity. He wasn't a silent bystander. He guarded knowledge of the Lord our God. This is what the, the Spirit leads us into through the third commandment. When we recognize that sinning against the third commandment isn't just something we do with our mouths, our words, but also with our works. We see how much we need our Lord Jesus Christ to be purged and cleansed from our sins, but then to be walked or, or to be led into newness of life, walking with our God for the glory of God in everything. Let us praise the name of the Lord in all our words and works. Amen. There are many psalms that praise the name of the 